Tipsy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How are you? I think I'm doing good. I've given up on homeschool to the point where I'm fine if my child has to repeat first grade. I'm like, screw it. I'm done. I'm not a teacher. I never signed up for that profession. And I do believe um, that my child is probably not excelling at first grade. So if she can't read and write by the time she gets into second, is it really a big deal? I mean, I, I I don't think it's a big deal. I think, you know what, if if they do another year of first grade, so be it. Why not? I was thinking about the repercussions of this pandemic and how it's um, going to be so far reaching. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be so many issues when it even comes to education mm-hmm. and how much children haven't learned in this year that they've had, w- w- that they're meant to. Um, so I do, I think it's going to, it's going to be a ripple effect. Um, right. But at least... And you see my segue here. At least we can look good while we're quarantined at home. Because why, Roxy? Tell me why. Uh, oh, my God. Well, I am super excited today because we have talked about this actually a lot on the podcast is maybe going in and like seeing if we need a little something, something, little nip, little tuck, little, you know, kiss on the face, whatever. We're getting our boobs done, Roxy. <laughs> on your face. We're talking no. about your face. Yes. Only the face. Only, only chest up this time. Or, or now. Neck up. For now. <laughs> so today we have Dr. Jason Diamond on our show. He is a double board certified plastic surgeon. I mean, if you're shopping for a plastic surgeon, you probably want to go double board certified, I would think. Definitely. Right? You don't want to screw up your face. <laughs> he, he, absolutely. He's been in so much press. He's been on Dr. 90210. Um, this man knows what he's talking about. He's a fa- he's a specializes in facial plastic surgery. Um, and he actually does a lot of too. So I think without further ado, we need to start talking to Dr. Zaman. Welcome. Welcome. And you just got a new haircut. So you I look know. very suave uh-huh. for the Woman on Top podcast. <laughs> I'm too. actually in the middle of the haircut right now. We were <laughs> in the middle and we were like running a little behind. So I have Chris Ableton waiting right outside. I love it. it. <laughs> hair cutter to the stars. Yes, hair cutter. Feel free to continue your haircut. We can we can multitask on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Roxy, I haven't. So I'm in my 30s and I'm a mom. Roxy, Roxy's never told me her age, by the way. So I have no idea how old Roxy is. We've known each other for so long, and I'm like, how old are you? I always tell her I could be I could be 35 or I could be 75. I yeah, mean, I really don't know. know. Um, and she has a child too. And mm-hmm. it's funny because I didn't, you know, I've I've been an actress since I was 14 years old, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so you're in front of the camera all the time. And of course you worry about, you know, the 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 nature of your skin and staying looking good and young. Um, but it didn't really hit me until I had children. I feel like there's something that happens and you can explain what does happen to us and our hormones. But after having children, my skin just felt like it died. I know that sounds really dramatic, but something happened. And I don't know if it was just age related um, or stress or exhaustion, but Ever since I had those children, I can never get back. <laughs> it's like they just suck the life out of you. When they come out, they just take everything. Take, they take the beauty. So what happens? What happens to our hormones? What goes on with the skin? Please tell well, us. Well, there's there's a lot of things that go on. Let me ask you a question. So you noticed your skin uh, in a state of worse repair after the kids were born. Yes. 
Yes. And, okay. <clears throat> and what age were you when you had your kids? 29 was my first. Okay. How much weight did you gain? 40 pounds. But wait, 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 wait. My, both my babies were over 10 pounds. And by the time I left the hospital, I'd lost 26 pounds both times. So I was just a full bowling ball with a lot of fluid and had really yeah. big babies, um, yeah. which I think is unfortunate sometimes for people when they're little. I mean, I started at 5'5", five, five, 110 pounds, and I had massive children, so I blame my husband for that. But that, that's, that's a body thing, but I don't know why your skin just changes so much after you have kids. Well, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of factors that are involved. Uh, first and foremost, you had a lot of, most people have, weight gain and mm -hmm. you have a lot of weight gain probably one of the most devastating things to the skin is weight gain and then weight loss rapidly even for people who aren't pregnant uh, you rarely see somebody who's been through that type of weight gain and weight loss where their skin doesn't suffer for it mm -hmm. you get stretched out i mean it's like it's like wearing a sweater and if you gain 50 pounds in that sweater it's going to stretch out and then when you lose weight that stretch it's just going to not be quite as form fitted to your body right it's mm -hmm. the same thing with the skin and during pregnancy there are a lot of increased hormones which increases blood circulation blood flow it increases oil production so while you're pregnant the skin actually usually looks pretty good because of the increased circulation Amazing. the increased mm -hmm. the increased oil production you get that pregnancy glow mm -hmm. every now and then though that extra oil production can lead to like an acne thing so a lot of people will complain of acne uh, prone skin during pregnancy that even can last into the following after pregnancy uh, time period mm -hmm. uh, that can be a, a be problematic um and furthermore, there oftentimes there are hormonal uh, uh, melasma-related problems, brown spots, mm -hmm. red spots, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. And furthermore, you know, pregnant moms tend to be sleep-deprived. Mm -hmm. Of course, sleep is very important for restoring the your body's regeneration process. Mm -hmm. um, and so all these factors are usually exhausted. Um, these factors all play into you know, people complaining about their facial appearance following pregnancy many times. Mm -hmm. So what exactly, because, you know, we're moms, we're working moms where we have so little time, you know, we're running around like crazy trying to, you know, work and take care of the kids. And if we have a partner, that kind of a thing, what are some of the procedures and things that you can recommend for a mom just to like freshen up a little bit, you know, just to like get that pre baby sort of feel back to herself. Yeah, that's a great question. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all one, one size fits all answer, but there really isn't. You have to take each individual person based on their anatomy, based on their aging pattern, based on what, what they're seeing. But I'd say if you had to give it a simple, if, if you had to say you only get one answer, what's it going to be? I, I would say the bioregenerative procedures would be my first go-to um, procedure for somebody. And my favorite there are many that we do, but my favorite, I think, uh, most consistently effective for people in this situation is what we call the instafacial, which is using some light lasering, but also using a combination of your own plasma and even sometimes some uh, amniotic um, tissue with amniotic stem cell activity, injecting that in under the skin, laying it on top of the skin, rolling it in, and just to really try to get that skin jump-started to improve elasticity and just sort of get it back to where it was 
pre-pregnancy. So if I, yeah, if, if you pin me down to one answer, mm-hmm. I'd say it's probably the most common thing. But many times I want to improve the facial structure a little bit with some facial sculpting. Uh, many times I want to do some slightly heavier lasers that then that are involved in the mm-hmm. facial. So there, there's many different things that we do. But again, if I had to give you one answer, that would be the answer I'd give you the instapatial. What is like the downtime for something like that? Is there a long downtime or is it pretty quick? Most people might. Roxy's like, can I do it tonight? I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. (laughs) But most people would be read for anywhere between a couple hours to, to into the next morning, but that's about it. So if you did the procedure like right now on a three o'clock in the afternoon, you might be read until this night. You might be read until the next morning, but after that, it's usually gone away and, and you're very, very presentable by the next day and looking your best within about two to three days. You got a five o'clock today? <laughs> uh, we actually do. This might be a sensitive thing to ask, but you know, I hear all these things and part of me wants them so badly. I, I want to do laser and I want to do Botox and I want to do fillers and I want to do all this stuff. And then there's another part of me and that little voice that says, why don't you just accept yourself for who you are and what you are and love that part too. So I find myself really bouncing back and forth between can you have, I'm sure you can, full self-love and still be doing Botox and it's just like, well, I like to look my best or is it something deeper? And is that something we need to talk about more about why, why do we look in the mirror as we age and hate what we see? You know, it's a a very good question. It's a very good question. And the answer really comes down to self-esteem, right? Like we all, we all do our best. We, we all do our best when our self-esteem is high. Mm -hmm. So our, so, you know, we want to, we want to, um, look our best to feel our best, feel our best to do our best. That's kind of our, that's Mm -hmm. kind of our practice philosophy, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I make the, I give people the analogy. It's kind of like people who want to go to the gym, right? Like if you, Mm -hmm. if you have gained weight or you don't have the body quite that you may want, you can go to the gym and exercise that away. Mm -hmm. And you can get the abs you want, the glutes you want. But with your face, it doesn't work that way. You can't exercise your facial aging away. You can't exercise those things away. You can't improve that by going to the gym. And, you know, I think it's very well accepted that going to the gym is a very, a very important thing to do. You know, fitness, going to the gym, doing it, whatever. But fitness is a very important part of a healthy lifestyle. And that's well accepted. And everybody adopts that and believes in that. Well, I can, t- I submit to you that improving your face, if that is going to improve your self-esteem, is just as important. Every bit is important because it's your self-esteem that matters. And why do we not like creases that we see? It's a, I don't know what the, you know, that's probably an answer for the man upstairs as to why we don't right. like what we see, but the reality is that we don't like it. And so to be able to improve that, um, it, it, it really gives somebody a boost to their self-esteem in a way that nothing else can. And so... You know, so so when people ask me, I've often asked, you know, is this a pursuit of vanity? Is this, um, you know, should I feel bad that I want to look better? And again, my answer is, well, right now, as we, well, pre-COVID, right now, like on a, any given 
Thursday afternoon, across the globe, there might be 3 billion people working out right now, right? Like 3 billion people at any one time, probably on the planet, trying to do you know, some form of fitness to improve their health, improve their self-esteem. Well, why is improving some blemish or something on your face, why is that any different? Mm-hmm. What is the line, though? Because, um, like you're saying, people come in, right? Like with the, with their if they have low self esteem or what have you. Like, can you tell, or do you have to make that judgment call where you say to yourself, "Okay, this person," because there is some sort of a mental and emotional component to it. Like, are you like kind of looking at people and saying, "Okay, I feel comfortable doing this procedure for this person," or this person, I really don't feel comfortable giving this person what they're asking for because maybe. It's they're asking for too much or something they really don't need. I mean, do you have to make that call sometimes? I have to make that call with every single person mm-hmm. every, all day long. That, and that's actually one of the most important skills somebody like me develops mm-hmm. over time is to figure out who the right person is, right? We have to wait. You have to choose me as your doctor. I have to choose you as my patient as well and make sure that you're doing these for all the right reasons that you, you know, that, that, um, that you are, you're mentally, you're making the right decision for yourself mentally and not, you're not doing this for a a wrong reason. You're not doing this to, you know, uh, impress somebody else. You're not doing this for some other reason. And so Mm -hmm. I have to make those, I have to make that decision. And I have to also make sure that what you're asking for is appropriate for your face. Many people come in, especially with Instagram these days, right? Mm-hmm. The Instagram face, as you've mm-hmm. probably heard that term, mm-hmm. where people come in all the time um, asking for certain things that may not be appropriate for them. And I mm-hmm. have to make sure also that I agree with what you're asking for. And just because I can give you something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so I have to make these decisions all day long. And that's a, that's one of the most important parts of my job is being able to figure that that part of it out. How do you feel about aging personally? Do you embrace it or are you fearful of aging or especially in the world that you're in having to look amazing yourself because people look Mm -hmm. at you and go, well, my doctor looks great. You can't have a doctor. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to look like him. (laughs) Um, So how do you feel about the process of aging? Well, you may see a couple little blood stains on my chin. I just did my own facial sculpting (laughs) two hours. So lucky that you can do that to yourself. (laughs) See it, right? I have just injected myself literally two hours ago just just to tighten these up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm fighting the same battle you're fighting. Now, interestingly, I was just talking about this with an hour ago with somebody. When I first started practice, I used to grow a goatee mm-hmm. and a beard because my beard has been like light colored and even had white. Even since I was 19, I had white in my beard. So when I grow a beard, even when I was younger, it made me look older. So when I first started my practice, I wore this beard because it made me look older. Mm-hmm. And there was a saying that, you know, you need to have gray hairs before people will trust you with their face. Mm-hmm. So I used to like, it, like encourage the aging process and wanted it to be here, you know, and, uh, but now I'm at the stage where I think I'm right at the right spot. I think I look old enough and now I got to like, you know, I kind of like right where I'm at. Yeah. I don't want it to like start to spending. <laughs> so I'm doing things on myself, you know, often, and I do exactly for me, I treat myself like I would treat you. I mean, I look, you know, I do the same things. I would never do something on somebody else that I wouldn't do on myself, you know? And so, yeah. So, so do I fear it? No, I embrace it, but I'm fighting the battle too. So what do you say? Because you have two young children. Um, 
as soon as they become, you know, a little bit older, if they say to you, you know, dad, I really want to do this procedure or try this sort of plastic surgery, what would be your response? Again, is if there was something that they were self-conscious of mm-hmm. that was affecting their self-esteem and I felt that it was a reasonable thing they were asking for, I would by all means do it. And this is not a commonly known thing to lay people, but it's it's widely considered acceptable and appropriate to start doing cosmetic procedures on kids as young as five, particularly prominent ears. Mm-hmm. We call it prominoris. Prominoris is the medical term for projected ears. If a child has big projected ears like that, mm-hmm. it's it's considered not only acceptable but appropriate, and the and the procedure should be done at the age of five because you want to get that taken care of before they start to develop a self conscious problem with that with people making fun of them and them starting to identify with that. So you want to you want to you want to nip that in the bud, and so they can go on and you know not have that uh, be a be a detriment to them. And so, again, you know, I, you see, I see a ton of 15-year-old girls with mm-hmm. noses that are mm-hmm. really making them mm-hmm. self-conscious. And so, it's, you know, if it was my daughter or my son and they had a problem, I would definitely encourage that. I, you know, I, if, they, if it was bothering them and they said, Dad, this is really bothering me, I'd be like, by all means, let's fix it. Talk about um, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. Let's go through each age group. What I mean, I think in your 20s is when you've really got the best skin. And we just, we don't take it for, I mean, we take it for granted. We're just like, whatever, I look beautiful. Um, I wish I had gone back. Yeah, I just like, I should have got my tits out shirt on. I should have like literally worn my skirt up my butt. I should have got every wolf whistle in town, but I didn't. I was so self-conscious in my 20s. I'm so angry. I look back at pitches and I was like, I was damn fine. Like what was wrong with me? But then I think to myself, well, in 10 years, I'll probably look back now and think, you know, yeah. So you have to appreciate what you have when you have it. But I've heard around and please tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard 35 or 36 is when there's, there's a big shift in when it comes to uh, aging. So in your twenties, you've got great skin. It's plump. There's a lot of collagen. um, And then around 35 what the collagen takes a massive downfall and elasticity yeah elasticity mm-hmm. okay elasticity, yes. so what do you notice in your 30s happen to your skin on your face and then in your 40s 50s and 60s what are the main characteristics mm-hmm. well it's a slow progression and let me just say that we'll get to this in a sec but back to you say it like you know we never appreciate we have like there was a saying i heard that's so appropriate and the saying is these are the good old days like right now this is the good old days yeah, i should get my tits out shirt on now because yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all gonna look back right now <laughs> 10 years ago, oh my god remember back in 2020 we had this how good we looked into why didn't we right yeah right or whatever, whatever whoever's listening right now is the good old days and we need to appreciate that i know and i've actually been like i've actually gotten in during the quarantine i got big into meditation which is all about mm-hmm. like living the right present. now and it's mm-hmm. really, i mean and i you know i'm so glad i understand that i can appreciate that right mm-hmm. now because it's uh it's really important and um and so anyway so we were talking about uh how aging progresses, right. right? 
Right. It's all about skin elasticity. Our skin elasticity decreases with age. Every year after you're, you know, probably mid to late 20s, you slowly start to lose skin elasticity. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that if you think about an elastic band, right, you can stretch it and if you let it go, it snaps back. Mm -hmm. That's the elastic component, elasticity that it snaps, it stretches. Not that you can stretch it, but that it will snap back, right? Mm -hmm. Skin is the same way when you're young. If you stretch the skin out, it will retract right back up. So take a woman who has a baby, right? You have a baby when you're 25, six months later, you could have your six pack again, no problem, even three months later. But try having that same baby when you're 35, not so much. Try having that baby when you're 45, all of a sudden mm-hmm. the skin is stretched out and it's a disaster, right? That's the same thing with the face. It's all based on skin elasticity. Mm-hmm. That's the number one, probably the most significant cause of the changes we see to our skin. Now, there are other components too that people don't really understand mm-hmm. or people don't think about. And that is bone loss as well. So we always hear about osteoporosis. We always mm-hmm. hear that, you know, your, your, your leg bones get thinner with age. Well, guess what? So do the facial bones. The facial mm-hmm. bones also suffer osteoporosis. They get smaller and thinner. So not only are you losing skin elasticity, mm-hmm. but you're losing bony structure as well. And when that happens, everything just starts to show, right? So in their 20s, you know, women in their 20s, and I take care of plenty of people in their 20s for little things. Oftentimes people just want to have a pimple (laughs) (laughs) and I'm on set. I remember those days. I was like, please, I need to go to my facialist to zap my pimple. I was like, if that was only the the things I have to deal with now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, so, but, but, so there's that, but, but even, um, you know, I even take care of people who just have genetically like weak bony structure. We'll do little injections, facial sculpting to fix that. We'll do all different kinds of things. But as far as aging, Usually people in their 20s, if they have hyperactive muscles, hyperactive foreign mm-hmm. muscles, they'll start to see, see some creases. So as far as an aging standpoint, people in their late 20s will start coming in for Botox and things of that nature. And as they get older, as you get into your 30s, you'll start seeing those creases and those becoming more well-formed. And so you may start doing Botox and some more aggressive lasering and skin mm-hmm. treatments in your 40s, the skin elasticity starts to really show its head and you'll start to see some drooping, uh, some sagging to the skin, some increase in the jowl area, some laxity to the neck. That combined with the bony volume loss, you start to see that even more as you hit 40s and 50s. So that's kind of how the aging process happens. So that's sort of by decade, yeah, by decade. What so for within those decades, like when would you say to start lasers in particular? Like, what's a good time? It's a good question. Again, the so the instafacial, uh-huh. which I've already mentioned, that's a treatment that we do. I mean, that that makes your skin look so good. I even do that on people like people who have to look their best. And again, people mm-hmm. always say, you know, we'll always hear the comments. Oh, what does a 20 year, 25, 30 year old need skin treatments for? Well, mm-hmm. guess what? People who are making a living with their faces and are on camera and their income depends on how good their skin looks on high def camera. Mm-hmm. Even some of the most famous 25 year olds in the world suffer some acne issues, some blemishes. And so we start lasers on those people and we often do the instafacial. Again, that's sort of one of my first go-to treatments because it's so effective with so minimal downtime. And so we even we even start with that in their, for people in their 20s who are having skin issues who need their skin to look perfect. And as you get older, we might 
stick with an instafacial, we might go a little more aggressive. There are stronger treatments. The stronger the treatment, the more downtime. The more downtime, the more potential mm-hmm. benefits you can have. And so, so it's it's there's no one answer. Unfortunately, I wish there was. But mm-hmm. you ask me when do we start? We start as early as twenty for twenty five for some people. You know, I mean, look, everyone would love to get these treatments. I'm sure. Um, especially, you know, if they, if their self-esteem is suffering and they, they want to look their best, the problem is so many people can't afford it, mm-hmm. you know? And so how does it become more accessible to people who want to look their best? And is that even going to happen? Is that even an option? Look, I've never done Botox or whatever, but I remember thinking, oh my God, like, you know, you put your kids through private school, you're like, screw my face. Like, I don't care about the Botox. Um, but it's so expensive. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, it, 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 it is expensive, but yeah, and there's no, there's no two ways around that. It, it is expensive. I think for people who, you know, who can't get here and can't do this, you know, a healthy lifestyle is extremely important. Uh, the healthier lifestyle you have, the more well you are going to age and managing your weight, managing your sleep. And, and, I, and I find this very important. I've even developed an, an app we call the Diamond Life, which it's, it's launching, it's, it's launching like as we speak, but it's basically a full 360 health program. And I believe in it so strongly that we've spent a lot of time developing this, but it is a program to help people manage their weight, manage their diet, manage their stress, all an app by their phone. But we, but it's been shown that when you can do these things and and, and live that type of lifestyle, you definitely decrease the aging process. So, you know, for people who are concerned about the cost and concerned about how are they going to do it? Well, starting with a health, healthy lifestyle is the most important thing. And, you know, we, you know, here in LA, people like us, we're around that a lot. And we, you know, we sometimes can take it for granted. Well, everyone knows, you know, to do intermittent fasting. Everyone knows to do a keto diet. Everyone knows to mm-hmm. maintain carbs. Well, you know what? Not everybody knows that. Like we know that a lot of mm-hmm. us here are in it, but not everyone in the Most people you mention these things too, and they have no idea. And so what that is. And so, so helping people develop that healthy healthy lifestyle can make a huge difference in their face in their appearance without even having to do botox or or lasers and so that's extremely important Mm -hmm. you know i was scrolling through insta stories the other day and i came upon chrissy teigen's insta story and she was getting this like fabulous facial procedure done and guess who was tagged you So clearly, and I mean, she's got gorgeous skin, gorgeous face, looks amazing. Um, and I actually appreciate it when, especially when celebrities kind of put it out there and say, Hey, I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing right now. Like being just very open and honest about it, you know, but a lot of times celebrities sort of go the other way, you know, and they're kind of more secretive about it and, you know, don't like to tell, talk about it, even if it is kind of obvious, why do you think that they're so secretive about it? Well, I I think there's, it's a very interesting. It's a very interesting dichotomy here. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I say? Okay, before social media, before Instagram, I, I've I've, I've been taking care of some very high level people for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Before, and and I was actually very late to the social media game. Very late. I was one of the last people to get on Instagram and get on. And I still don't even do Facebook. Like I was one of the very last people to get on Instagram uh, amongst my colleagues in, in the mm-hmm. world that I'm in. And interestingly, the high level people or the the VI, the, 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 
publicly well-known people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they wouldn't go on the website. Like they just would, they were very secret and they wouldn't go on the website. Uh-huh. I think with Instagram, they own what they're putting mm-hmm. out there and they make it fit with their story and, you know, their brand and all that kind of stuff. And I think people are just more willing to talk about things on social media than they ever were on websites. Mm-hmm. And that's a really powerful testimonial too, when they're putting it out there because of the sheer number of eyeballs that are seeing these things, you know, Chrissy Teigen, somebody who has like tens of millions of followers, that's got to be really good for your business. Oh, I can't right. certainly, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. very, listen, I'm, I, I, I get on my knees and thank God every day that these people trust me with uh-huh. my, with what I see, my vision for them and my ability to execute. I'm very grateful. I'm very honored, very privileged. And I, and I take it very seriously. Did it change? Like, were you at a level of success? And then I think I, I think how I found out about you, um, was Kim Kardashian. And when she started posting about you, because I, I think whatever they touch turns to gold, did it, did everything change for oh, your wow. business or, or, or was it already so successful that it just bumped it up a small percentage? Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember the first time, um, I was sort of like a well-kept secret kind of, I would say, uh-huh, right. well, I mean, again, a lot, like I said, I've been taking care of that type of person for a long time, but it was, again, it was, it wasn't well publicized. It was very underground. People knew and they mm-hmm. came, but they would come and, you know, not let anyone know they were here. But then, yeah, then Kim, you know, and it was, wasn't just Kim, it was Kim and about a bunch of people like mm-hmm. her. Of course, Kim mm-hmm. is such an amazing, I mean, I've never seen a big old, bigger needle mover than Kim in anything. Uh-huh. She's such an incredible, for whatever she believes in, I mean, she, she's incredible. So yes, um, that, 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 that was very, uh, very important uh, mm-hmm. for us. But, you know, I guess not. So before her and that time frame again, but that's all about when I started in doing the Instagram mm-hmm. stuff. So before that, it was sort of like a well-kept secret. And now I think the secret's out. And, you know, like no one really wants the world to know they have, I'm just saying in general, like if you're an actress who's known for being beautiful, they don't want people to know that they had a nose job or had this done or that done. So that's why they're beautiful. It's like this secret of like, Oh no, this is, this is how I was born. Like this is effortless to me. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think does unfortunately give young girls this like, you know, self-loathing because if we just talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of us have done, you know, I haven't done anything to my face or body. I, but I want to, and I'm, you know, who knows I might. Um, but if, if I'm walking around with like a six pack, I'd probably say I had a tummy duck, you know, so that maybe moms don't feel that that's what you should look like. You know, I think if we're more open about some of that stuff, right. I understand it's, it's, I'm, my point's coming across weird. I understand why people do it, but mm-hmm. I also feel like if we were more open about it, then people would be more accepting of themselves and their own bodies. And, um, understand it is like it for what it is. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and honestly, I think, um, I think that's a reason, you know, Kim and, and her sisters and all them, I think that's why they're so successful because they're open with people about a lot mm-hmm. of things, you know, mm-hmm. and Chrissy too, like they're open with people. So people trust them and know that 
you know, nobody's perfect and, um, and, you know, everybody's got their insecurities, but I think that that's kind of more well accepted now that, you know, you can do things about your insecurities if you, if you, if you feel inclined to do that. But, but yeah, your point is well taken. But what about, and also, you know, along with plastic surgery, not every doctor is as good as you are, right? So I'm sure you've had people come in that had botched procedures. Um, do you do you handle those? Or is that something like you don't really like to touch, like after somebody else has already destroyed somebody's face? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah I, help, I help any chance I can. Yeah, we, yeah. we do. We, do. We, see, we see a lot of revision things, revision uh, procedures. Mm -hmm. And um you know, most of the time we can make some improvements. Sometimes we can completely fix it, but every now and then we can't do anything. We need to make them wait or whatever. And that's always very hard for me to tell someone, listen, I can't do anything for you. It's right. awful. I feel terrible when, not, when I have to say those things. And once in a while I do have to say those things, but I do try to help whenever I can. How dangerous is plastic surgery? Or is it, is it, I mean, I'm sure you can't say it's 20% dangerous, but yeah. is it, is it dangerous to do? It is extremely safe. Now, I'm talking about facial surgery. I'm talking right. specifically about I'm a facial specialist. I only do facial surgery. Facial surgery is extremely safe, provided the person is both physically healthy and mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. It's extremely safe. And I tell every, people always ask, you know, what's my risk? I tell everybody, this is a true fact. So if someone's having a surgical procedure, a facial surgical procedure, and they've been cleared, meaning they've been cleared both physically and mentally, and we determine them to be safe. Somebody's biggest risk of their surgery day is their drive to the surgery center. You have a much higher chance of getting into a car accident than you do of having a problem under anesthesia. Mm -hmm. right? so okay. is, and that is a true fact. So it's extremely safe. Now, body surgery has a different set of risks. There are bigger movements that people are have bigger amounts of tissue being moved around, bigger amounts of fat being removed. Mm -hmm. And those can be riskier. They're still very safe, but that's a different ball of wax than facial surgery. Facial mm -hmm. surgery is extraordinarily safe. Mm. And uh, what are some of the latest breakthroughs in facial plastic surgery pl procedures? What are some of the things that maybe we don't know about yet that are kind of coming around the corner? Well, the, I think the, the latest and greatest um, treatments that I think are, that are effective that I really like are the bioregenerative procedures mm -hmm. that I've already talked about. It's using our own body's ability to restore elasticity to do its own repair. So using your own plasma, using it, using amniotic tissue, mm -hmm. uh, even injecting certain types of gas into the face, uh, mm -hmm. which which stimulates your own body's healing. I'd say those are the, the, that type of procedure, I would say is the, the latest and greatest. And I think has the benefit to, has the potential to be really significant as, mm -hmm. as time progresses. Mm -hmm. As far as actual surgical techniques though, as far as the techniques go, rhinoplasty techniques, facelift techniques, you know, that's really still all about the surgeon skill it's like mm -hmm. it's like asking the question guitar playing like you know does technology have an effect on how good the guitar sounds yeah probably but it's still 95 percent of it is how good the actual guitar player is mm -hmm. maybe the equipment right like so doing facial surgery is the same it's the surgeon's skill and aesthetic judgment so so that's the best way i can answer that it's artistry it's artistry right i mean it's like a painting right you look at a face and you see based on your skill and based on your creativity and what can be done and what can't be done it's part it all goes into it 
Correct. Yeah. It's complete artistry. Absolutely. Like, you know, and uh, to, to serve even two facial surgeons, two facial specialists will see the face completely differently mm-hmm. and have different visions for what they, you know, see and what they envision, what they want. And again, you know, I have my aesthetic judgment. I have my vision and for the things that I, the, the way I like the face to look and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how I've built my career based on what I see. And, you know, again, I'm very privileged and honored and blessed and fortunate that people respond to that and trust me to carry out my vision. So how do people get into CD, see you? Is it very hard? It must be like a wait list for sure. Can you do a, a bit of a PRP on us, please? Yes, yes. We'll come in for the duo, please. How do people get in? Uh, usually, well, I, I, you know, people will obviously call the, fr- call the front desk. Uh, is it, it, it easy will, to yeah. do or is it, are you too untouchable? The secret is if you, if you have a connection to Tammy, Tammy's sort of like, Ooh. we have a connection. Yes, we do, she right? was, okay. Yes, Great. She, she loves us. Her. She loves yeah. us. She loves us. <laughs> if you're in with Tammy, then you're, then you're, you're good. <laughs> and by the way, let me just, I want to say one thing that you, when your introduction, you said, you know, you're wondering if your kids will learn what they need to learn in class like this mm-hmm. year. I will submit to you that that is extremely important that they're not learning what they need to be learning in class material, but more importantly, they're not learning the social skills. To me, that's even right. more, even more detrimental. And that's something you can't make up. If a one-year-old doesn't learn the conflict resolution, they need to learn, I mean, sorry, first grader, Second grader doesn't learn the you know the social interaction skills and the conflict resolution skills mm-hmm. and all that. Those things they need to learn. Then that's not going to be easily made up. It'll be e- it's, it won't be easy to make up you know simple addition and subtraction. But that'll be easier to learn in second grade or third mm-hmm. grade. Push mm-hmm. that that can down the road. Mm-hmm. But the social evolution that's the part that I think is extremely detrimental and ha- will have a huge ripple effect. And can, and and we need to get this. This needs to be like finished like these kids kids need to get back i mean my my worry is it'll be another another year Year, you know like the spanish flu this right right so you know and that's scares me the most that's the part that scares me the most right and our kids are just that age too they're in tam and i are we have first graders so it's like it's so it's so scary to think that is yes Mm -hmm. and like mental um health as well. I mean, it's funny because I have such social anxiety that this pandemic's been great. <laughs> she loves to not go out. I even said we, I had a therapy session yesterday. She's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I'm achieving my goals. I'm able to do meetings. I'm like, it's been amazing. I'm just worried about when we go back into society. I'm like, huh, how's that going to go? Um, so I've been great. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, but I'm not sure for how long. Okay, we'll go back to this questions. Okay, uh, okay Rox, right. why don't you just introduce the game again? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. So we always like to play a game with our guests. Um, if you're game for it, Dr. Diamond. Sure. Great. We have one called Mythbusters. Sure. Ooh, a new game, Roxy. Yeah. <laughs> new game. It's a rumor control. You just say true or false. These are popular, popular plastic surgery myths. So you can dispel these if you want. Cool peels can permanently burn your face. Oh, true. But not yours, right? Not mine. But it, certainly it can happen if it's not done with the right mixture, too strong, oh. not the right skin type for sure. Okay. Ooh, okay. Um, lasers can actually bring uh, 
not melanoma, God, that's not the word, um, melasma, melasma out even more prominently. True. If the wrong laser on the wrong skin type, true. So I have melasma on my lip after my second child, and it's been a year and I can't get rid of it. Are there treatments for that? There are. There are treatments for I will it, see yeah. you next week because <laughs> yeah. Tammy and I are BFFs. So I'm going to see you next week. Just, yeah, you get, you get to know you're good. Okay. okay but, good. How would you treat that? But I just want to say, like, I know this is true and false, but that's why these things are not a chemical peels, even though you hear them done at every med spot, every, you know, probably OBGYN office. These are not anything to mess around with. Like, mm-hmm. you, they can be simple, but you, you, I mean, none of this stuff is... This is not like chewing bubble gum. I mean, this is serious stuff. It's medicine, you know, and it needs to be done. So, so even though they're safe, but yes, the answer to both those questions is true. And that's why it's important to, to make sure whoever's doing it knows what they're doing. Yeah, do not skip on your plastic surgeon. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't go for half off a Groupon. Someone sent me a Groupon for PRP and I'm like, mm, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. It's not the way that I'm going to go. So this is another one about PRP because Roxy and I actually had a PRP facial and it did nothing. Like nothing. Like we actually went out that night, um, washed our face and we looked exactly the same. same. So PRP sometimes doesn't work, which unless you're doing... So wait, does PRP, is it PRP is meant to hurt afterwards? And be red, correct? And be red and actually like look like something's been done. I, you know, I don't do, I, you know, I don't do just PRP, so I don't know. I mean, I do, what what, what I'm doing is not just that. So I can't Mm -hmm. comment on what you had and why it didn't Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. I would think PRP by itself probably wouldn't do much. Okay. So that was probably wouldn't do much. It needs to be at the right concentration of platelets. It needs to be combined with the right adjunctive treatments to have its Mm -hmm. full effect, but then it works really well. Ooh, okay. Um, silicone breast implants can leak and cause diseases like lupus. I'm going to say, as you know, I'm a facial specialist. Mm-hmm. So, I, so that's out of my ball of wax. But so I'd rather not comment on that. Okay. I'd rather okay. just comment on that. Okay. Yeah, it seems like because there's two types of breast implants, I think there's silicon and saline. Silicone, right? Saline mm-hmm. seems safer. For breast implants, but what do I know? I th- I'm not I a surgeon. Think that's probably widely well agreed upon that it's probably safer. I think the argument for silicone is that it feels more natural. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I don't do these things, I'm around it, so I hear these things. And I think the, you know, does the if a silicone implant ruptures and silicone leaks through the body, has that been shown? I think that's the last I the last formal information I read about it, which is probably seven or eight years ago that that hadn't been widely agreed upon um mm-hmm. that it really caused issues i think it was debatable is it still debatable today in 2020 i don't know because mm-hmm. i haven't read the latest on it since it's not mm-hmm. my world i'm not up i'm not not up on that so i just i'd rather not comment on that okay this one's depressing but your nose and your ears keep growing throughout your life uh that is a myth Oh, yes! Yes! We have some positive oh, news in quarantine. <laughs> but uh, let me say, I think you, oh, I wow, think, you've made uh, my day. You know, the way you worded it is incorrectly. Oh, oh. So let me say it the right way. Okay. The nose and earlobes certainly look saggier and droopier with age, yes, but they do not grow. They do not grow. The nose loses, so it, it does not get bigger. It loses support. 
it loses support, it loses strength. And when it loses support, it comes into the face. And when it comes into the face, Mm -hmm. it can look wider and droopier. So it looks like it's gotten wider because it's come in, but it's not like the skin has grown or the cartilages has grown. So that is a myth. Earlobes, same thing. The earlobes get saggier, but they're not growing in tissue. You're losing elasticity, and Mm -hmm. it's like your sweater stretching out over time. It's not that you have more sweater material. It hasn't grown. It's just stretchier. And so that's what happens with earlobes and the nose. So yes, they do age and not look as good as they age. And they are very easy fixes for those things, mm. but they do not grow. So now I'm depressed again. Thanks. Yeah, you can be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One this- thing to hold on to. Okay, last yeah. one before we let you do whatever you do. This goes along with the nose. Um, You should not have a nose job until at least the age of 16 because your face is still growing. Um, I would say that's very debatable on the age. Okay. There certainly is, in general, I think if you took all rhinoplasty surgeons in mm-hmm. the U.S. anyway, mm-hmm. I think they would tell you 15 for a girl is the appropriate age to start and 16 for a boy. Some oh. rhinoplasty surgeons may move that up one year, 16 for a girl, 17 for a boy, but many many surgeons think it's acceptable to do a girl at 15 and a boy at 16. And again, for the same reasons, like if you can get to it as early as possible, when they start their dating age and all that kind of stuff, you can really improve self-esteem if it is an issue causing their self-esteem issue. It's more about the reason why you would want to wait until a certain age. It's not about the facial growth. It's about a complex concept called the growth plates, the growth centers inside the nose where the cartilage of the septum meets the bone and the septum, these are growth centers, which it's sort of like uh, the, the, the brain center of the nose telling the nose to grow. And, and so mm-hmm. if you disrupt that before somebody's fully grown, it can potentially affect you know, the way their nose would grow with their face. But we mm-hmm. pretty much feel, you know, it's pretty widely considered that girls are pretty much, a vast majority of their facial growth has occurred by 15 boys at 16. And if you're on the more conservative side, then you believe that would be 16 for a girl, 17 for a boy, but that's roughly the age range. Why is the boy one year older? Just because boys tend to grow first later. Ah, okay. I have one last question before I go about Botox. I've always, I, I'm afraid to do Botox um, because of, we don't know it's, we don't know. It's a toxin. So I worry, like, have we done enough research or has it been around enough to know what it can, how it can affect our bodies, number one. And number two, does it feel like this heavy weight on your head so that actors and actresses can't move mm. your your face? Like, that's what always worries me because you have to emote, right? right. So if you, have, if you right. have Botox, are you able to do that mm-hmm. um, as as well as you would without it? Okay, so first, the first part of that question. So, mm-hmm. so Botox has been used in medicine. I always get this confused. It's, it's one of two. It's either been since 1969 or 1979. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I, always, I keep blanking on whether it's a six or seven. But at the very worst case scenario, Botox has been used in medicine since 1979. I believe mm-hmm. it's 1969. So that's been, how many years is that? So that's been- 30. 40, more than 40 years, right? Uh, for, yeah, at least 40. Yeah, 47 or 50, yeah. 37. Either, either, either 40 to 50 years, Botox has been used in medicine, and it has never 
been shown to cause any significant deleterious effects. There was one famous lawsuit that went around and it was from someone, some LA socialite. This is right when I was moving to town, some LA socialite named Metavoy. Uh, and she sued the biggest, most famous guy in town at the time in Botox injector named Arnie Kamalin because she claimed Botox caused her this whatever headaches and depression and whatever, all this stuff. And she lost her lawsuit. <clears throat> um, and it, it's, it's, it was, it's never been shown to cause any deleterious effects. Um, it's been used safely on millions and millions of people. So I have it in my own forehead right now. Mm -hmm. My wife has it in her forehead. If it was not safe, I wouldn't have it in my forehead right now. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so it is, I will tell you, like, honestly, as close to 100% safe as you can get. Mm -hmm. But can you, your face? Yeah. <laughs> can you move face? Can you Let's see. Let's, let's, let's see you move. I mean, you can, right? So, so does that mean all the actors and actresses? When I take, when I'm taking care of an actor or an actress, I do tiny little bits just to make the creep for preventative purposes. Mm -hmm. When it's done right, it can prevent. It can prevent those creases because as mm -hmm. these creases form, That's they get deeper and deeper and deeper. And once they get mm -hmm. to a certain level of depth, then you can't fix them anymore. Sometimes you can't fix them even with aggressive lasers and surgical procedures. So your best treatment is prevention. So Botox is preventative. It kind of keeps things lifted when it's done right. It just keeps the forehead lifted. It actually makes things lighter and less heavy on the brows when done right. Now, of course, if it's overdone, people will feel heavy and flat. But that's got to be. I mean, you really have to try to make it that heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, doing the you know the actor level of baby Botox, you, you know, it, they almost have full emotion, you know, full expressions, mm -hmm. but slightly, de slightly decreased to make it more aesthetically pleasing. Does it just reabsorb back into your body once it wears off? That's sort of, and that's non-toxic, obviously, if it goes into your system, correct? Correct. It's completely, yes, your body completely absorbs it. And again, you, you know, people will, will cite these things. Well, they show that in a rat, it caused this and that. But in that rat, they put a, a hundred times strength that a human would use in a little one pound rat. So with mm -hmm. the it's complete. We're talking microscopic doses, tiny little minuscule amounts. Mm -hmm. It's completely saving your body, completely erodes it. It is completely eliminated from your system in about three months, most of So, time. Roxy, why haven't you? I know why I haven't done it. Why haven't you done it? You know what? As you know, when you saw me getting the PRP, I have a deathly, I'm needles? deathly afraid of needles. needles. I am deathly afraid of needles, first off. Um, secondly, I, I don't know. I have this thing. I, I'm totally fine with the idea of taking things out of my body. Like, you should see my stomach, like, post baby. I, if that went away, I would be thrilled. Um, but I don't know why. I guess it's like the thought of maybe something foreign going into my body is a little... And being there for a while, you know? It's yeah, not something just, that... Cause mm -hmm. I had a filler. I once, when I was, when I was 27, I've never told the story. I had, um, a, I was on a TV show for six, seven years. Um, you treat a few of my, um, the people who were on the show for like, uh, facials and stuff like that. And, um, and I had an injection, um, to cover a line that was a crease, um, in my smile line because the DP kept saying that it was so obvious. I remember I was 27 years old and they just said, you know, that line's so obvious. It's so obvious. So I felt really insecure. So I got it done problem. And I got it done with a great, um, uh, uh, plastic surgeon, but it was obviously an injection, um, a filler, Restylane. And you could see 
the restylane so thick in my ch- in the side of my like near my mouth for almost a year. Like I have pictures where you can see the chunk of it. So I don't know if they put too much in or I was too young to have it done. But you know, ever since that happened, I've been too afraid to do it again because it was so obvious. Yeah, looking at your face, I would tell you that wouldn't be a good treatment for you there. I yeah. would. Be- oh. Because that's what what could happen with that. There are other things I would do for that area. Wrestling, that wasn't the appropriate, in my opinion, looking Mm -hmm. at your, I haven't seen you in person, but that would be an expected outcome if I'm looking at your face. I would expect you to have a ridge there if you did wrestling. Oh, wow. So that was too aggressive then for her. Yeah. Yeah. But the hyaluronic acid uh, fillers are good, right? I mean, those are the ones you, those are the ones that people use. Uh, Wrestling is hyaluronic. Oh, it is. Okay. 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 But I, but I, but this, that area is not an area on your face that would benefit uh-huh. from injection. That would benefit from bioregenerative procedures and uh-huh. you know, certain things to build some of your own collagen. I wouldn't inject you in that particular area on your face. Interesting. See, Tamman? Fascinating. I don't know if I'm like running to plastic surgery or running to my therapist to like try to love myself more. I'm not exact. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe it's okay to do both. And maybe we should accept that we want to look a little better. That's okay too. We want to help. Uh, we want to speak to our therapist to make sure our mental state's in a good place. Maybe it's all okay. Maybe it's accepting that it's all okay. Not judging other people um, for what they do with their faces and their bodies is something that's huge. Not comparing. That's another massive one that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And self-acceptance. And then you know what? If you want to do something that makes you feel better, have more yeah. self-esteem. Because I know if I got my stomach fixed, I know, I know I would walk lighter because right. <laughs> I would be lighter. <laughs> I would walk lighter because yeah. I, I would just feel better about myself because my two beautiful children, that that wasn't something that was natural for my body. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. And that's what, honestly, when I tell you about that, the diamond life that I've worked hard on, that's what yeah. it's all about. It's a 360. It's it, your whole well-being goes into the way you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's launching. Feel your best, feel your best to do your best. It's that simple. And that's launching now, you were saying? It's yeah. launching very soon? Okay. So we'll be on the lookout for that, for sure. Thank you so much. And where yes. can we find you? Um, so where can you find me? Yes. Um Place. You can't get in, guys, but where can you find you? Instagram is what? Doctor, at Dr. Jason Diamond, Dr. Jason Diamond. Amazing. And it's funny. Everyone's going to be calling going, hi, hi Tammy. Ta- Tammy, like pretending <laughs> that Tammy. they know her. She's going to get a million phone calls now. Yeah. Or he does. Yeah. Then we can't get in, Roxy. I know. Oh, we're going to change her name. <laughs> and we are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top podcast on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. And yes. I am Tamman Sursak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on, on Top.